the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare the, your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Before Gabriel came to Mary and announced to her that she was bearing the Christ who was coming into the world, Zechariah had a visitation of his own, as we spoke of on our Wednesday evening service this last week. Isaiah had given a prophecy. Someone would come. He would be the voice in the wilderness crying out, and he would prepare the way of the Lord. And so came John into this world before his cousin Jesus. He prepared the way for Jesus once he grew up and went out into the wilderness fulfilling the prophecy. He prepared the way by baptizing people, washing them to remove all of their sins. He prepared them by preaching repentance, to turn from their wicked ways back to the God of Israel. He rebuked those who were in error, the brood of vipers sent from the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees in Jerusalem, and he pointed people and his disciples to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who was carrying away the sins of the world, baptizing the same Christ himself. Before there were the twelve disciples, before the faith, there were the faithful throngs of Jesus' followers, there was John the Baptist. But things changed for him. His circumstances took a left turn, as it were. Herod, we know, well, later on, had taken his brother's wife. He was living in sin, and John couldn't have it. He wouldn't have it as the one who was to prepare the way of the Lord by making people turn to righteousness, and so he preached against it. He poked Herod's eye, as it were, by calling out the sin, by saying it should not be done publicly, where people could hear and where the shame was out in the open. And so Herod, having what many rulers of that time and place, and certainly many times and places even now, did what he did, threw John in prison. Didn't like the sermon? He had him outed at the next voters' meeting. <laughs> no, he threw him in, in the prison, and there John was languishing. Now this is a universal reality that also extends all times and places, and we know it's well. it well. It matters who you know. If you're not the king... It's good for you to know the king. It's good for you to be in good with the king, with the one with power to have an in, to have his phone number, to have his ear. And you could say that of John, not of King Herod, but of King Jesus. See, if anybody could have had confidence in the king of the universe, the Lord of glory, 
and his ability to help out of any sticky situation, certainly not least of which being in prison under a two-bit ruler, it would have been John. He knew the king. So I think then we hear our gospel lesson this evening, and I think it's reasonable to scratch our heads just a little bit. What gives with this question, John? You know Jesus. You grew up knowing who you were. Doubting Thomas, forget about him. Let's talk for just a moment about doubting John. Are you the Christ, or should we look for another? He sends his disciples to ask the Lord. Now, some people say that John wasn't doubting in this moment. And honestly, there is an argument to be made for that. It was just, he, say, they say that he was sending his disciples off to ask Jesus the question so Jesus could answer the question and get John's final disciples to move away from John and follow Jesus the way that he wanted the rest of them to do. But given the fact that John was a man, a human, just like you and me, with the same range of strengths and weaknesses, the same range of emotions that you and I have, it's not exactly a stretch to say John did have some doubts about his Lord. Or maybe, not doubts, just like the 12, as we see later on, the disciples, John wanted a different timeline for things. He wanted Jesus to have more action or quicker action for what he was going to do instead of just going around teaching and healing everywhere. But whatever the case was, he put the question to the Lord through his disciples. Are you the Christ or should we look for another? The real reason, I think, apart from this, that it's not hard to imagine John doubting, is that I personally know myself. I know myself as a man, as a human being, as a Christian, one living by faith, not by sight. On a good day, I am the good soil from the parable. The word comes in and it plants home and does bear fruit. But other days or in other circumstances, I could fairly speak of myself or preach of myself as being the rocky soil, the weedy soil, or sometimes even the hard path where the seed just bounces off and has absolutely no effect. Circumstances in life are often like a storm, appropriate metaphor tonight, right? A storm to faith. Faith is there, but the circumstances come in and just scatter everything around push down a few trees, break a few things, cause havoc. Those circumstances are a plethora, and each of us could fill in the blank with our own. Things from our jobs, things from our family, things inside of us that even no other human beings know about. And so, when these circumstances launch an assault, a storm on faith's fortress, Christians sometimes echo John's question. Are you the Christ, or should we look for another? Are you true God and man? Are you the Lord? Are you listening? Thankfully, if those days come to us, or when they do, we have an answer from him. It's not left just hanging there in midair. We have an answer to our question, are you the Christ, or should we look for another? And it's the same answer that Jesus gave John when he sent his disciples to ask it. Did you notice what he did there? When John's disciples arrived, 
He didn't shame them. He didn't shame John who sent them, saying, how dare you? Oh, what an awful question to ask. You've got more than enough already. What a silly, silly thing to say. He didn't respond to them in anger or resentment. How dare you? I am God above all gods and beat his chest like some petulant child. He did not say, I'm the Christ because I said so. But rather, he calmly responded to them in their query, weigh the evidence. Weigh what you see and what you hear. Look at that. Then you'll know the answer. Go and tell John what you see. The deaf hear. The blind are given sight. The poor have good news preached to them. And so on and so forth. And with these words and the message conveyed from Jesus back to John, I think John would have gotten the message. I think the point would have hit him, would have sunk in, and it would have settled the matter. You see, John undoubtedly knew the prophecies about himself as we spoke of. He would have known the story about his old mother and father, Zechariah and Elizabeth, from when he was a young boy. Why in the world would they have kept all of that from him? It's not in the Bible that they told him, but please, you make the case to me if you disagree that he just didn't know who he was and the miraculous circumstances of his birth, okay? He would have known that. And on top of that, he would have known the scriptures about the one who was to prepare the way for the Lord. But he wouldn't have just known that from the beginning part of our Isaiah 40 reading, the voice in the wilderness crying out, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He wouldn't have just known that. He would have known the end of the reading as well. Hear it again. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. You see, when Christ came, when the Messiah came, he would be God in the flesh, his right arm. But what's more, he would care for the flock of God, his wayward and his lowly sheep. And Jesus is saying, look, John, or John's disciples, whatever the case, look, you, what have I done? How have I been in my ministry? What are the things that I have not just said, but that I have done for people? Look at those things, and you will see. You see, the Lord reassuring John with his question, with his doubts, if it was that, it wasn't the Lord removing the thorn from his flesh. Isn't that notable? John was in prison, sends the question to Jesus, and Jesus says, well, I can answer your question, John. Let me break you out of prison. Let me take you out of this bad situation you're in. Then you will know he doesn't do that. But rather, it was simply to prove who he was by pointing him back to the evidence. You see, John could suffer persecution for righteousness' sake, knowing that the one he was suffering for was both God and good. And dear friends, it applies not just to him, but to us as well. Though at times, and according to the measure of God's will, God loves and cares for his people and provides for us to whatever measure pleases him. 
Jesus Christ came into the flesh and undid Adam's curse with sin and all of its ailments in the body. And yes, some people benefit from that in greater measure or in lesser measure compared to others. But the fact of the matter is we see that God is the one who cares for such people, even as Jesus did during his ministry. But above all and on top of that, the greatest thing that was needed has been given to all who would repent and believe and call on his name, forgiveness, life, and salvation. And so in the midst then of any trials or doubts or questions you may have, don't just look at the negative circumstances. Look rather at the positive evidence for who God is and what he has done for the world and for you. Your Jesus remains ever crucified and risen for your sins and salvation. No negative darkness, no illness, no injury, not even death itself, undoes that evidence that he is the Christ. And indeed, with that knowledge and faith, we have no need to look for another. Amen.